0: Well, good morning, church. Whew, just what, a, what an incredible thing, isn't it? Um, the scripture uh, says that uh, uh, through this incredible work that God has done, his uh, life, death, and resurrection, and the, the testimony of that work, that which we get to observe him doing, uh, through this, uh, he will constantly be known and glorified. And w- what a day it is to gather together uh, to be reminded of who God is as we sing with and for uh, each other and and for Him uh, and and are stirring one another up, and then uh, to explore god's word together. Uh, And then to hear and watch the stories of God engaging individually in the stories of human beings and their lives. Mine, yours, these we've watched today. Uh, We serve a God who uh, we know uh, is holding together all of creation. And in our logical human minds, we would say he has no business being interested in the individual person, you or I. And this is where even David wrote in the Old Testament and said, who am I that you would be mindful of me? Not who are we that you would collectively be mindful of us, but who am I? And God's resounding answer throughout scripture is, I am mindful of you every day. I delight over you every day and I am working in you every day. And what a thing it is to be reminded of that. We are traveling uh, through a letter Uh, that was written by Jude to a church, uh, probably a single church, may have been a group of people. Um, And uh, he is writing toward the end of the historical space in which the New Testament letters were being written. So we're in the late 60s. Uh, and so uh, this is uh, during that time that Second Peter is going out, and Second Timothy's going out, and Titus is going out, and you know Paul and Peter are writing letters. John is going to be writing his letters soon for Second, Third John, in just a couple of years, and Judas writing in this mix. They are writing to the church at large to equip them for what is to come. Uh, to set them up to be able to live out the realities of God's gospel work for as long as his coming and returning would wait. And this is the context of the letter we're in. Jude uh, has written this letter with the desire to celebrate with this people group, this church, uh, the beauty of the gospel, what we are recipients of, what God allows us to participate in. But as you may remember, if you've journeyed with us, uh, he really said in this letter, as much as that's what I'd like to write about, I'm gonna have to write about an urgency that is occurring to redirect you church from a space in which you are finding yourself in a poor and unhealthy and dangerous direction. And then he states the purpose of the letter. What I'm gonna to need to write to you about is to urge you to contend for the faith. In other words, to hold fast to what we know to be true, to go back to what we know to be true, to stay with what we know to be true. Because you have, church, he's saying to the church he's writing to, you have uh, allowed false teachings and false teachers to creep into your midst unnoticed. And now they are wreaking havoc in your church and in your lives because they are teaching things opposed to the word of God, the way of God, the character of God, the nature of God. And whenever we are teaching things or believing things that are in any way opposed to the word of God, the way of God, the kingdom of God, the character of God, God himself, we are in deep trouble and grave danger. And this is where the tone of this letter is really playing out. The the tone of this letter, like the New Testament is, is not a tone of God trying to conform us to be a behaving people. God does not need us to be a behaving people. He does he's not sitting on his throne going, Oh my gosh, how do I get them to conform and be a behaving people? The tone of God's letter in this one and all of the spaces in which He's redirecting or correcting is because God cares deeply about our well-being, deeply about our freedom, deeply about our life, and deeply about us living in light and not darkness. This is the tone of the letter. What he's saying is whenever you or I live or believe uh, in a way that opposes the way of God, it is going to lead to death in some way, darkness in some way, and bondage in some way. And when we do things God's way, believe God and his word and live by it, it is going to lead to life, It is going to lead to light and it is going to lead to freedom. What does God want for you and I? Lots and lots of life, lots and lots of light, lots and lots of freedom. That's what this good father wants for us. And so Jude is coming to the church and God to us, the larger church saying, church, listen up, listen up, pay attention. Last week, uh, Brady was up here preaching and, uh, uh, Brady uh, came up with a prop, as he always does, a visual um, to establish a reminder for you to carry with you for a lifetime. And he had his, uh, um, what do you call those things? See, I've already forgotten. Megaphones. Megaphones. Um, and, uh, and, and he said, uh, he taught us uh, out of Jude about how Jude is letting the church know that they have allowed loud voices to come in and shape them unnoticed and that they are listening to these megaphones. Uh, and if you listen to megaphones that are not teaching God's word, God's way, God's character, you are in deep trouble. Uh, and and uh, Brady shared and set up for us where we walk into today. Brady, if you remember, last week had an incredible set of notes uh, on the screen uh, I heard all about it, um, as I always do when Brady preaches. Um, I heard so many of you, thank you so much for coming and letting me know how thrilled you were that somebody um, actually bothers to put notes on the screen. This is what it looked like. Isn't it beautiful? This is last week's passage, by the way. I might just teach on it now because it's, it's amazing. Um, and uh, uh, Brady had all that stuff. And, and so last week, again, I, I heard about how thrilled you all are that there are notes and visuals. And I I know it was implied, I get it, I I feel it. Just like, you know, you've never done notes and never had visuals, Uh, so we're just wondering, could you grow up? Um, And uh, so, just so you know, because you might be thinking it's because I'm lazy and I I don't want to do them, and there may be some truth to that, Um, but there is a greater truth that if I put my notes on the screen for you and my scribbles in the Bible, it would not be super helpful. Those are for today. You're welcome to take a picture. It's going to be beautiful. It'll help you remember this week exactly what I taught on. Not really. Um, I don't use colors because they confuse me, so I just make scribbles. And then I just write down a couple of key words, and I capitalize them. And then by the 9 a.m., I've scribbled even more, so now it's circled all over the place, and it's even more confusing. So next time you wonder, can Renault have notes too? Just remember, you do not want them on the screen. <laughs> And all that to say in all seriousness, what a joy it is, isn't it? That God has a body of people and that he gifts each of us uniquely to do unique things. And when we do them collectively like we're supposed to, then we, the body, benefit from far more than what one person is capable of bringing to the table. And so you guys get the benefit of Brady's extraordinary notes and incredible clarities and great props uh, and him being able to give you the structure you need to understand everything, which allows me to come and tell a bunch of stories and see where it goes. And how fun is that, right? So... Um, The key, though, to all of this is that, in fact, where Brady had us last week uh, matters a great deal because uh, last week, if you remember, we were still in the space in the letter where Jude is speaking directly to or about the false teachers— And if you remember, we've been saying this all through this letter. There are two tones in this letter. One tone is toward the false teachers, and that is not a tone of compassion. It is not a tone of sort of the the parent to child saying, come on now. It is a tone of warning. It is a tone of judgment. It is a tone of redirection. It is firm. It is not sweet. Uh, It is direct, and it is practically offensive as it should be. Uh, when Jude speaking about or to the false teachers speaks, he tells them, wake up, judgment is coming. You are affecting death, stop it. And he's telling the church, look at what they're doing. And he's pointing at their behaviors and the fruit of their behaviors with great judgment. So that is the tone there. And then what Jude is doing is when he changes and starts speaking to the people, who are the victims of the false teaching, the recipients of it, and just FYI, are partly the cause of being those victims because they did something to allow for this to come into their midst. He changes his tone dramatically and speaks with a great amount of compassion like a father to a child, though firmly still, because this is of urgency to us because... It has to do with our well-being, our freedom, uh, our life. Uh, God wants abundant life for us, not abundant death. And he's saying this stuff leads to death, pay attention. But there is a tone change. Where we were at last week with Brady, uh, though Jude is speaking to or about the false teachers, It also sort of sets us up as the recipients, the church, of feeling the weight of our uh, foolishness, our uh, lack of vigilance, our allowance of these things. It's like when you're having that conversation with one of your children uh, and and you're you're starting the conversation saying, "Now, now, now here's what I just found out you did uh here's the the choices you made, uh, and here's where those choices are going let's take a look at those when you're done with that conversation. If you are the recipient, the child, you feel weighty you feel now you, you behave defensively, perhaps, but internally you're feeling guilty, you're feeling weighty you're you're, 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 you're kind of sitting in there and you're like okay man i'm sorry- I'm sorry, wow I'm totally missed the boat, and so, as Jude is saying to the church. Man, look at what these false teachers are doing. Look at the havoc they're wreaking. Uh, you're, you're allowing them to be megaphones in your life. You let this in, man, come on. we're all sitting, we should be sitting in that space of like, oh, how did we let this happen? And whenever you're in that space, whenever you are being uh, redirected, disciplined, reprimanded in a healthy way by someone in authority over you, a parent or someone in authority or God, there is in that discomfort, is there not? And one of the things we humans do every time, we can't help it, is that it starts begging for us the question, how are we doing? Do Do you think less of me? Uh, have I blown it and, and this, this is broken? Where are we at? There is immediately a gravitation toward, I've blown it, you're not proud, you're disappointed, uh, I'm, I'm no good, that sits there. And what I love about scripture is that God demonstrates his parent heart over and over again in these dynamic moments where he goes, we need to have a hard conversation, we start that conversation, and then he consistently throughout the conversation scatters in this reality of, hey, we're good. We're good. Hey, I love you. I delight in you. Uh, it's, uh, I, I love being your parent. That is what we are about to walk into. Um, uh, I, you know, as, as many of you guys know, I, I have eight kids and Uh, So that means that over a period of a year, uh, there are lots of birthdays that happen, eight to be exact, and then Brooke and mine. Um, And today actually uh, is one of my kids' birthdays. Hadley turns 24 today. Um, And so it's super fun to celebrate her birthday today. Uh, And it's it's super weird too, to uh, be engaged in birthdays now of kids turning 24. You know what I'm saying? You're like, what happened? I'm supposed to be 24. That's how this is supposed to work. Uh, but one of the glorious things about uh, realizing as several of my kids now are having birthdays in their 20s uh, is that they are at a point in their life where they can articulate to me some of the experiences they had in their childhood. And like some of that's br- brutal. Some of it's brutal, right? They're like, oh my gosh, when you did that all the time, that was terrible. And I'm going to see a therapist forever for that and, um, and, and all that. But, but so much of it is, is also beautiful and it starts speaking to when parenting is at its best how incredibly uh, powerful and what a privilege it is to do that. On, on my worst days of parenting, no doubt, and there's lots of those, uh, I need to have a hard conversation with one of my kids. I roll in frustrated. They've just done something. I can't believe it. And I roll in hot and I'm like, What were you thinking? Are you out of your mind? What kind of a human does that? I mean, come on, grow up. And then oh, I didn't mean it. Don't be defensive. This is ridiculous you're grounded forever. Uh, I've had plenty of those. Those are not great parenting moments, but in my good parenting moments, in the ones uh, that I get right, when my head stays on my shoulder and the spirit of God is good and gracious to me, I, I roll into those hard conversations and many times have these conversations in the way that you're about to experience Jude. You start with, "Hey, h- h- hey, listen." Uh, just found out that, that this happened. You did this, you didn't do this. Uh, you chose this path. And, and, and man, like, wow, uh, that you, you know. I, I love when I talk to my kids, especially about stuff we've talked about forever. I'm like, we've had this conversation, right? You know, you know what this does. And, and, and so, wow, but, but you, you know better. You are better. You want more. I know you, we've had, the, you want more. And then right then after I've kind of set up like, but you are not that and I know you want more. I usually go right into this kind of thing. Hey, how do I feel about you? Before we go into where this goes, it's probably consequential. We're gonna have some hard conversation. How do I feel about you? And I, I force it. Am I proud of you? I suppose, I guess. Well, I, well, I am. And, and does this thing you just did Does this journey you've just taken, this path you've just chosen briefly change the way I think about you? No, I guess not. I'm like, that's right, it hasn't. And am I marking you now by this choice? This is who my daughter is. This is who my son is. No, I'm not. We are having a small conversation about a moment in life in a giant story of a life that you are choosing well, but we do need to have this conversation because if you do not uh, redirect this part, it will quickly become more than just this moment. That is where Jude is sitting. That is where God is sitting with us. He's just said to us, man, these false teachers are in. You let them in. They're wreaking havoc. They're going to bring death. Don't give them the megaphone. Stop it. And just as we're starting to feel like, I'm sorry, this is what he does. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Jude. We're going to be in Jude uh, 1, obviously, um, and verse uh, 17, verse 17. If you go to the Revelation end of the Bible and just page backwards, uh, right before the word Revelation uh, begins that book, you'll see Jude right there. So Jude uh, is changing tone now and, and, and look, what he, look what he starts with. Verse 17, but you, but you. What I love about scripture is that scripture is not making an effort to be unclear, Scripture is not like, let's see how badly we can confuse you and keep you guessing. Sometimes we read scripture and we're like, I don't know what it means. But a lot of times, if you just read and you look at the language, it gives you all the clarities you need. Here, in English, as well as the original language, there is a clear shift here. I've been talking about one group of people, but you, but but you, but you. So who are we talking about now? Are we talking about the false teachers? No. no, we're talking about us. We're talking about the church, the ones who need to pay attention to what is going on out there and pay attention to what is happening. But you, he says, must remember. But you must remember. Remember? Now this is hearkening back immediately to where this letter began. As a matter of fact, when we started this letter in the first few weeks, we bumped into this word, remember, you must remember. And we actually came to this verse and said, guess what? He's going to repeat this again at the juncture that he switches back to us after talking about the false teachers. And here he's switching back, but you must remember. Remember? two important words the word must and the word remember remember. that's right why must we remember we who are now being spoken to because as he has established previously the way in which the false teachings and false teachers had room to get into our midst And teach us in such a way that we believed is because we were not holding fast to what was true. We were not remembering who we were in Christ. We were not remembering the gospel, not remembering the word of God, did not know it well perhaps. And in not remembering, there was room for them to take us down a path that was not aligned with God. And we had also forgotten that we need to be vigilant at all times. What you're going to watch Jude do right now is he's going to use the must remember in two ways. When we are dealing with our journey on this planet, what must we keep our eyes fixed on? What must we remember? Jesus, Jesus that's right. The gospel, that's right. But we must also remember the context we're in. We must also remember where we're at. We must also remember what's going on so that we do not... A uh, uh, lack in our vigilance throughout the entire story of scripture this idea of remembering this idea of holding fast paying attention remembering has been the central reality of god's command to us on how we participate with the gospel work that's happening god's story of scripture is centrally about the gospel is it not it's centrally about the reality of his redemption of us is it not But his primary focus on our part is to keep remembering what he's done. Isn't that amazing? The primary story of scripture is not, since I've done this, you better behave this way. Or since I've done this, please do this for me. Or do this for me, then I'll do that for you. That's not the story of scripture. Here's the story of scripture. Here's what I've done for you, don't ever forget. Here's what I've done for you, don't don't ever forget. And so what God does all the way through the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament, is he sets up for us practically what it looks like to remember. In the entire Old Testament, God literally sets up like constant commands on, on, on how we remember. He says, anytime I do something really, really super crazy cool that causes you to go, wow, this is how God build something. Build an altar, build a building, build something and say, from now on, anytime we pass this spot and we see this thing, what are we gonna talk about? What God did, wow, we're gonna build altars all day long. I mean, the Old Testament, they couldn't have turned left or right without building another altar because God was doing stuff all the time and what did he tell them to do? When I do something, mark it, mark it, why? So that you can remember. And then he set up a rhythm throughout the year. He's like, in fact, let's do this all year long. I want you to have festivals. I want you to have feasts. I want you to have parties. I want you to gather regularly to do what? Remember Remember me. And so every one of those festivals and feasts and parties, they're going to have specific symbolism to them so that you can remember aspects about who I am, aspects about what I've done, so that you will never forget throughout the year the wonder of my redemptive work. And then by the time he gets to Deuteronomy, and he's commanding the people on how to live, he says this, uh, listen, hero, Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, right? And then he says this, what I want you to do is I want, to te- I want you to teach your kids about who I am when. Always, Always. how do we know? Because it says this, when they're laying down and when they're standing up and when they're walking and when they're sitting, And when they're around you, when their eyes are open and when their eyes are closed. When they head out and when they come in. Listen, if your kids are anywhere in your vicinity, teach them about me. How often do we need to remind each other and our children of God's ways? All the time. And then he says this. I love Deuteronomy. As though he gets there and he's like, ah, it's not enough. So how about this? Listen, listen, here's the deal. Take everything you know of God and put it in places where you have no choice but to see it literally a thousand times a day. So we have our hands, right? What do you do with your hands? Stuff all day long. And it would be helpful for a lot of us if we actually watched what our hands were doing, right? Because, and then what happens when you're not watching your hands? They end up spilling stuff, right? So we're always looking at our hands. So he says, listen, listen, here's the deal. Uh, wrap it around your, your wrist, stick it on your forehead. I mean, I love forehead, right? Like, I mean, that's, uh, you take humanity in all of its vanity and say, what's the one thing we're going to be wanting to look at all day long? Our face, because we're afraid that our face doesn't look its best and all the other humans are going to judge us. And so he says, tell you what, just write it right here. Where do I, where do I want my way? Where do I want my truth? What do I want who I am? What do I want what I've done for you? Right here, right here. Put on your doorposts, put on your gates, put it everywhere. How urgently did God want us to have no choice but to remember who he is, what he's done, what his way is and who we are because of him? Always. All the time. And so what is happening here is Judah saying, hey, but, but you all... You all who have, who have let these false teachings slip in and, 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 and corrode the realities of life, light, and freedom, you all, man, must remember. You must remember. There is a, a, a passage in um, Proverbs, one of my favorite verses in Proverbs, Proverbs 4.23. Uh, and it says this, um, uh, w- uh, 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 keep your hearts or guard your hearts. Keep your hearts or guard your hearts with all vigilance for they it is the wellspring of life how should we guard our hearts with all vigilance think about the word all vigilance should you should you blink don't blink stand firm watch carefully because the enemy your flesh the enemy himself all of it is after you the the culture the philosophies of the world everything so you must be watchful you must be vigilant with all vigilance we here um, in, in the United States enjoy an extraordinary amount of freedom. We, we really do. For all of our fussing here and there with uh, all the things we, you know, we always joke, first world problem. Uh, and we say things like that because the rest of the planet uh, does not uh, enjoy, or many of them do not enjoy the kind of freedom we enjoy. Do you know why we enjoy this extraordinary freedom? Because there are a group of people uh, who are vigilant how often? Always. We celebrate this weekend Veterans Day. Why do we celebrate Veterans Day? Because our freedom that we experience, not bondage, is the result of a group of people who at some point in their life decided to put themselves into a space where they will be in harm's way, very likely, so that you and I don't have to be in harm's way in the same way. And they often will find themselves in spaces where they are uh, the recipients of great violence so that we don't have to be the recipients of great violence, right? Our, our military forces that defend our nation, uh, how often are they watchful? Always. All the time. Would you like to find out? I'm just curious. Uh, if if you found out, oh, the the military actually, um, all the satellites, all the stuff that's watching, all the people that are on the ground, all the people that are all around the world watching for the movements of the global world, uh, every three months, they take six months off. (laughs) They just shut all the satellites down. They shut everything down. or, Or everybody comes home. Everybody takes six months off. And they just hope that the rest of the world won't do anything terrible during those six months. And then in six months, they get back to it for three months. And then they take six months off again, and they let the world know the trick is you don't know which six months we're off. So uh, we hope that you that you don't do anything. Would you feel safe? No. We we feel safe because uh, our uh, defense forces are vigilant. How often? Always. Always. If you're here and you've been uh, at any point in time a part uh, of our defense forces, you're a veteran. Would you stand up for a second, please? We just want to tell you thank you, really. And uh, yeah, absolutely. And this, this is the crazy part. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, that have served uh, in our spaces. And we are super grateful because our freedom uh, is in large part a result of that sacrifice, right? Here's what, here's what God is doing to the people that belong to God's kingdom. Be that vigilant. Be that vigilant because you are protecting each other from false teaching you are protecting the church you are protecting the world from false teaching because how will the world ever know the truths of God but for us being vigilant to keep them and live them and share them and live by them if the world watches us say we believe x y and z but we live in oppose in opposition to x y and z how can they ever think we actually believe it and so what Judah is saying here uh, by the Holy Spirit, what the Spirit of God is saying to us is be vigilant, be watchful all the time. You what, re- must re- you, you what remember? That was weird. You <laughs> must remember. You must remember. But you, but you, you must remember. And now at this beautiful juncture, look what he says. But you must remember, beloved. Isn't that Beautiful. And beautiful. Like right at this, you feel it. You're like, okay, I'm sorry. I'll do it. And he's like, my beloved, a reminder that God does not need us to remember so that he's better off. He does not need us to remember so that he's safe. Is God safe? Yes. Does he need our vigilance? No. Does he need us protecting him? No. Does he need us watching out for him? No, he's not telling us this because he's like, you all are not doing your job and my kingdom's in danger. He's fine. He's calling us to this because he loves us, because we are his beloved. And what he wants for us is life. What he wants for us is light. What he wants for us is freedom. And so he's saying to us, I have come and affected your eternal life, your eternal light, your eternal freedom. And I am working in you now to even bring about what is best and good for you. The way you participate in this, helping one another to live in the abundance of life, light, and freedom is to remember how often? All the time. Remember all the time. And beloved, I'm telling you this because I love you. Because I want for you what comes with this remembering. And now look what he does. So he's talking about remembering the gospel, the big picture. But I told you, he's also talking about remembering the environment we're in so that we don't forget, so that we don't lack in vigilance. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is incredible. So what has he been spending his time with in the previous paragraph that last week Brady spoke to and the week before I spoke to? Uh, he has been spending his time in the Old Testament. Did you notice that? Remember how many, how many Old Testament references he made? And what were those re- re- references for? To show that God's been telling them how long that they would be false teachers. The entire story from the beginning is like, there's going to be false teachers. There's going to be false teachings. You should know that, you should be ready. And then how clear were the Old Testament passages about what the false teachers would be like? Very clear. And what they would do, very clear. And how they would behave, very clear. And what the fruit of their labor would be, very clear. So he's used the Old Testament all this time to say, we've been having this conversation. It's the parent, God saying, we've talked about this a thousand times. I love you you're my kid and I'm saying these hard things because I love you, beloved, but we've been having this conversation a lot and you gotta come awake. You gotta see, don't forget, this is an important conversation. I'm having this conversation with you again because it matters to who? To you, not to me. I tell my kids this all the time. My life goes on. I've already worked my tail off to get here. I don't lose all of what I've worked for because you're a buffoon. You lose. I'm saying this to you because I care about you. This is him again. Listen, here's what he's saying. Uh, we've been having this conversation. In fact, this is not a conversation just about the past where the, the people of old and the Old Testament have been telling you this. Who else has been telling you this? The apostles. Who are the apostles? Well, these are men like Peter and men like Paul uh, and men like uh, John. And, and what are they writing right now? They are writing letters the same time Jude is. In the 60s, Second Peter goes out, 2 Timothy goes out, uh, um, uh, uh, Titus goes out. Uh, a number of the letters are going out. And who do these letters go to? Churches, and then they get circulated to other churches. So it is highly likely, if not absolutely certain, that this church that Jude is writing to has had the privilege of hearing from Peter and from Paul in their letters. And what were the themes in the letters of the apostles in these later letters? Watch out for false teachings and false teachers. So here's what he's saying. The apostles... Have written this down. Please remember the predictions of the apostles. Remember the predictions of the prophets of old. Remember the story of God throughout the Old Testament. He's tying it all together. And as though to eliminate any excuse that they might have, we didn't, we didn't know. I mean, nobody told us to watch out for false teachers. If somebody had said that, we would have been more vigilant, but we had no idea. It's like, no, you did. The whole Old Testament told you that. In fact, the apostles told you that. In fact, they told you. Look, he actually says it. They said to you, these are folks that have been recipients of the actual letters from the apostles, and they're like, You be careful. Well, you might have told my sibling, but you didn't tell us. No, 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 we told you. We had this conversation. And then he says, This what did they say? They said to you, In the last time there will be scuffers following their own ungodly passions. It is those who cause division worldly people devoid of the spirit. If you read this little list of what he's talking about as he describes the false teachers, this is not a list to add to what he's already said in the other paragraphs. It doesn't mean he's now talking about the false teachers again and going back and forth and confusing us. He's simply tying the fact that the people the apostles talked about and what they would be like lines up perfectly with what Jude said the false teachers in their midst are like. You with me? It's like he's saying this. I just told you what the false teachers in your midst look like. Here's what the apostles said they would look like. Let's do a quick comparison. Oh, they look the same. In other words, you should have noticed. You should, this is not confusing. If somebody is teaching things that are opposed to the word of God, opposed to the way of God, opposed to the character and nature of God, then you should not pay attention to them. And if they are, and remember, we're talking about teachers within the church. If they are teachers making the word of God say what they wanted to say to meet the sensibilities and the preferences and the realities of you and I and our society, be highly cautious when we are engaged in what we feel are our sensibilities and preferences to what God should be like and God should say and God should do, and then we work diligently to try to make him say it, they're saying, you, you, you know where this goes. What I love about this, as far as context is concerned, is that he uses this little, this, this little time stamp, which is often used in scripture, the last days, the last days. So he says, You've heard in the Old Testament about the fact that we're going to encounter false teachings and false teachers. You've heard about what they're going to be like. You've heard not to pay attention to them by knowing God's word and remembering God's uh, character and kingdom and gospel. And then you've heard from the apostles. The apostles told you the same thing. And they said, the apostles, something uh, that, that, that they're saying, that these false teachers will be around in the last days. What are the last days? And all of you said, oh, yeah, I want to know too. Tell us. This is so exciting. Because, you know, the talk of the last days comes up constantly, right? I mean, lately, again, as things stir up in the Middle East, I'm getting lots and lots of, oh, are we in the last days? And I smile and say, we've been in the last days for 2,000 years. Yep, yep we're in the last days. Well, how long are we going to be in the last days? Until the very day that Jesus returns the second time and comes and changes all of history, brings the new heaven and earth with him and makes it all go away and we live at peace. So what are these last days? What what does it actually mean? Because Jude's talking about last days 2,000 years ago. So part of us might say, Jude was a little confused. He was excited about the last days, but here we are 2,000 years later. The last days is a war term. It comes out of of war, war, um, uh, war terminology the last days or the last times in a war is the gap between a definitive battle that has won the war and the fight that needs to go on until it completes to full peace. This happens in all sorts of wars. You guys know this. Uh, It happens in two ways. When we were in spaces in our past where communication wasn't as clear as it is today, it would actually happen in this tremendously terrible way where there would be a meeting somewhere where one group would surrender to the other, but they couldn't get word out to the battlefield fast enough. So there were actually people fighting on the battlefield, killing each other, but the war was already over. There's that, and we would call that, these are the last days where the war has been won, but there is still fighting going on because there is still war. But the best terminology for this is actually in this. I was watching a TV series that just came out with my wife. It was a book that she read, and we were watching this week. And it's, about, it's set in World War II. It's about a little French town, and there are Germans in the French town, and they've locked the French town down, and then the Allies are bombing the French town. And it was interesting in the first episode how every conversation between the Germans went this way. Yup, it's over. Yup, we have lost this town. We have lost this war. It's done, but we're staying here and we're gonna keep fighting to the end because we're gonna take them. Then the bombs, and they'd be like, oh my gosh, this is the last night we're gonna live. We call those the last days. We've lost the battle, or if you're on the winning team, we've won the battle because there was a decisive win But there is now the residual war that goes on until we move from winning to peace. We call these the last days. It's a war term. And what the authors of scripture say to us is between the decisive win of this battle. And when was the decisive win? In our time. That's right. Christ's death when he finished the work and his resurrection to solidify it. Right? When he was on the cross, right before he gave his last breath, what did he say? It is finished. finished. He didn't say, I'll finish it soon. We'll get it done. Be hopeful. He made a declaration it is done. Then he rose from the dead and he said, I'm coming back to bring about full peace in the in between, what we would call the last days. Be hyper vigilant because your enemy is putting up his last hurrah. And he's going to do it by eroding my character, my truth, my kingdom, my word, the gospel. And if he can get you humans to forget who I am and what I've done and what my word says, or to know it, but to choose not to live by it, he will keep producing versions of death, darkness, and bondage instead of the beauty of life, light, and freedom. And so Jude says, listen, listen, my people, my beloved people, I'm telling you this because I love you. You must remember, which means that we must know what on earth to remember. We must know to remember the things God has taught us, which means we must know the things of God. If you are here and you know the word of God well, you understand the gospel with clarity, you have layers to the gospel because you've been around a strong biblical community or a strong history of study, then get on with it. Remember, fix your eyes, stay with it and do what God says, not because you have to, but because he is your father calling you into life, light and freedom. And if you're here and you don't, you're like, man, I I don't know the word of God well. I I don't know the gospel well. I, I, I don't know how to articulate these things. I don't know how to even preach them to myself then get into spaces where you learn quickly. Get into the Bible studies here or in the churches that offer them that are healthy churches. Get into our learning spaces here. We have discipleship here. We have learning spaces. Get into them. Get in a, into a community group and start interacting with people on a smaller scale. Ask questions, read books, listen to podcasts. And if you're like, I don't want to listen to false teachers, Good. Come and ask us who to start with. We've spent literally years weeding through what is taught well and what is not. We can in three seconds tell you, this is safe, this is not. And if we don't know, we'll say, we don't know. We'll look into it for the meantime. Don't touch it until we know. Not because we want to say, oh, we're gonna judge everyone, but because how often do we need to be vigilant? All the time. We don't have space in a culture with a thousand teachers to just be taking whatever we get. Learn, grow, get in. Because church, God wants you and I to have abundant life, abundant light and abundant freedom. And he in his way is that. All of our insecurities, all of our fears, all of what we drive life to be, all of the way we try to self-protect, we are free from all of that as we find ourselves more and more Deeply embedded in who God is, in what He's done and in what he's said, we are now on this planet. Beloved, he says, remember always with all vigilance, so that this false teaching won't happen again, because that's what's good for you. that's what's life and freedom. Let's pray. God thank you for your incredible love for us, the amazing ways in which you constantly give us such clarity. Such, such such, zeal from your heart to walk in your ways, to trust in your ways, to know your truth, to, to trust your character and your kingdom and to live by it and in it. God, every one of us in this room, me, all of the folks in this room, God, as much as we desire to do that, we are all on the same journey, Uh, journeying to struggle, to know more, understand more, and believe more. God, so often we even know things and then we find it hard to live by them. And we are so grateful that in that midst, you look to us and say, beloved, I know. And yet you are the parent that says, just because you're not there yet, I'm not going to just leave you alone. I'm gonna keep speaking in and saying, come on. Fix your eyes. Come on. Set your minds. Come on. Keep your hearts with all vigilance. Trust me. Follow me. Trust my word. Follow my word by my spirit and you will see life. God, we want that. We want life. We want freedom. We want light and we want to be life and freedom and light to others. Help us to be a people who with great diligence dive in and get to know your word and the gospel with one another in community so that we might be a people that when it comes down to it and false things come our way, we can bring the gospel to bear and your word to bear, releasing you to deal with the falsehood. God, we love you. We thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives. And we entrust to you our story and our life. Empower us to be a people that know and believe your truth. In Jesus' name, amen.